You are listening to the FDNY Pearl Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome, listeners, to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Deputy Chief Mike Barbells. The voices from our guests over the past 12 months have been informative and noteworthy. Before we say goodbye to 2020, let's revisit the highlights from this year. The podcast kicked off in January with a big milestone, our 50th episode. In it, FDNY Chief of Staff and Pro Podcast host Elizabeth Cassio looked back at milestone episodes celebrating first responders and offering resources to peers in the public safety community. Here's a glimpse at some of the highlights. It's our 50th episode, and to celebrate our accomplishment, I'm going to revisit some highlights from the previous seasons. Every minute that a patient goes without oxygen or without chest compressions, their chances of survival decrease by 10%. And that's when I knew something was wrong. And as a boss, I knew it had to go right to the incident commander, that it was a priority. So everybody turned and ran away from the rubble and smoke and debris that was coming at us. That was the only thing you thought to do, was get out of here right now to save your life. There was no air pulling into any of the structures. I thought we were getting ahead of it. If you asked me when the event occurred, I would have not said 45 minutes into it, but it was 45 minutes into this fire. Following the 50th episode was our annual ProFit episode, which is published each February. The conversation seeks to promote and provide practical ideas for first responders who are looking to maintain a healthy lifestyle. In the 2020 ProFit episode, podcast host Battalion Chief Brian Mulry interviewed FDNY captain and head of the FDNY running club, Dennis Sweeney, and one of the department's fastest runners, firefighter Tim Clark, to discuss the New York City Marathon and staying physically fit. 2020 marked the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon, the largest marathon in the world, and the signature event of the New York Roadrunners. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19, the race could not be run along the traditional race route, Instead, the race was virtual, but still carried out all the benefits of running. I would argue that regardless of the speed at which you run, when you run for health, your your own health, and maybe even the health of your your family and your your coworkers, in the case of the fire department where we rely on each other, you're doing yourself a disservice if you excuse yourself. And we, of course, are the running club, so you know we're we're going to talk our book, our our favorite activity, but we would happily endorse whatever cardio you are doing to make sure that you're staying healthy and you're taking care of your cardiac system to be able to do the job and go home at the end of the day, that's what the running club would endorse. It's definitely not the only way to keep up cardio health. It's yeah, a very sure. good one, uh, but it's, it's definitely not the only one. But I always say, whenever, whenever somebody tells me that they're not a runner, I always say, you're not a runner yet. You know, every, everyone's a runner. You just have to start running. You know, once you get that, once you, once you start with the consistency, once you, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want to overdo it in the very beginning, but once you start getting that consistency, once you start getting the miles in, you start to realize that no, maybe, I am, maybe I am a runner. Staying fit and on top of her game was very important to FDNY EMT Donna Jaworski, featured in our March episode. After serving as a September 11th first responder, she left the department in 2003 to raise her family, then returned in 2019 to the job she loved. In February 2019, she joined the ranks of FDNY EMTs once more, graduating as class valedictorian. Let's listen to her describe the experience. It was so surreal to me because everything was familiar, mm-hmm. um, but so much was different and so much had changed and so much of the training had changed. Protocols had changed. There were medications now that we could give that we couldn't give years ago. You know, of course, 
anybody who's heard my story knows how I felt about, you know, the drill instructors uh, and, and the, the physical requirements that we had. It was tough What for were me. some of those physical requirements that you had this time around that didn't exist when you started in 93? Well, you know, even just getting on, you know, to do the stair machine with the vest and the armorgometer and the lift, and that just did not exist at all. You you did not have any of that. You were healthy, and uh, you came on the job, and and that was it. You know, so once I got through that, I felt like, okay, this is this is going to be a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. And I got to the parade field and was uh, rather quickly put in my place to realize <laughs> I was not over that hump yet. And there were a lot of push-ups and runs and sit-ups, and it was very hard for me. I really had to dig deep because not only was I twice the age of everybody in the class pretty much, so it was difficult for me on a physical level to keep up, but also mentally, I think, I did not want to be the old lady that Mm. couldn't keep up, and that's why my squad is taking heat. So I always had that in the back of my head where it wasn't so much just get through it. It was you need to push harder to not be the weakest link, so to speak. As firefighters know, responding to the demands of the job is all about preparing and training. In a vertical city like New York, high-rise construction continues to expand into the outer boroughs where fire companies need to be ready to respond. Battalion Chief Brian Mulry hosted our April episode with then 38-year veteran fire officer, Lieutenant Ray McCormick, to discuss the department's standpipe operations and training. We are a vertical city, as everybody knows, but uh, the proliferation of residential high-rises into boroughs that probably didn't have that many is really growing by leaps and bounds. So companies that weren't really standpipe companies are now having to include that in their repertoire and uh, It's very challenging. As the COVID-19 pandemic spread across New York City and the nation, our May episode featured the story of paramedic Kimberly Lechok, a 21-year veteran of the department serving on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. In it, she shares her experience and passion for helping others in their greatest hour of need. This also coincided with EMS Week 2020, an annual week-long initiative to promote public safety among all New Yorkers and celebrate the life-saving efforts of more than 4,400 members of the FDNY's Emergency Medical Service. I would imagine that your time and experience was helpful for the less senior members, right, who are looking for guidance, um, not only in how do I do this um, and why do I do it this way, but the resilience piece, right, of getting through the day-to-day, of dealing with record numbers of calls, oh, right, yeah. record numbers of cardiac arrests. Absolutely. Um, situation where you can't take a family member with the patient to the hospital. That's never happened in our tenure. No, the only time that has ever happened is if the family is combative or not conducive to the good nature of taking care of the patient, right? Right, right. So all of these things come into why we do our job. We're compassionate. We are people that want to take care of people. We want to aid people. And that includes each other. None of us are as cold and callous that it's just like, okay, just go ahead and get through your day. It doesn't work that way. You cannot work this career for any amount of time, I don't believe, coming out at the end the same person you came in in the beginning. So you have to tell people and let them know that things are going to change them, but it's how you let it change you. 
In coordination with the Department of Safety Week 2020 in June, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry spoke with FDNY Chief of Safety Michael Myers on getting to know our gear, specifically personal protective equipment or PPE, the department uses day in and day out. Donning PPE continues to be a life-saving tactic, protecting both members' personal safety and people they interact with in New York City. I've been going in and out of burning buildings, throwing bunker gear on my entire career, and I didn't really know how that bunker gear was working, why it worked, how it worked, what it would really protect me against. I just went into burning buildings and did what I was supposed to do. And I started to ask around to other members of my command and other members out in the field. And very few people could actually tell us what the bunker gear is made up of, how it works, and what it does to help protect them. So uh, as a safety chief, again, as we try to educate those who work for us, and that way you can have knowledge as power as far as I'm concerned. And if you had the knowledge of how your gear worked, you might use it more responsibly and also know what the limitations of that gear were just as importantly. While the pandemic was the headline of 2020, the FDNY continued to respond to all dangerous emergencies and fires. Fighting top floor fires in H-type buildings or large multiple dwellings is complicated and challenging. In our July episode, host Battalion Chief Brian Mulry spoke with FDNY Lieutenant Michael Scotto, a 41-year member of the department currently working at Ladder 5-8 in the Bronx, to discuss the operational challenges and tactics to employ when fighting fires in these types of buildings. The H-type, and when we say H-type, those are the larger type multiple dwellings. After a certain period of time in the early 1900s, they started expanding the size of them by adding steel to the building process. And the steel creates a few different problems for us. It gives an avenue of fire travel to the cock loft and a few other operational things, but maybe just touch on a few things about the cock loft and the problems in the larger H-types. In larger H-types, what most firefighters would want to do as they go through their careers to learn how these buildings were constructed and the natural voids and natural problems that were there on design day one. And then they've been changed through renovations. Things have changed, they've moved things around, but the natural voids, natural problems still exist. So with a larger H-type building, your cock loft can be anywhere from like one foot to six feet high, and the amount of wood up there has been there for 50, 60, 70 years. And it's all dry. And it's all dry, and it's just a lumber yard under some tar roof, which may have two or three layers of tar on top of it because it's easy just to tar over a problem and to rip it up and put a new roof down. There's a cost factor there. And everything we do in the fire service is based on cost factor, construction problems. A case study of another challenging fire from 2016 was featured in our August episode. As seen in the FDNY Pro film, The Last Resort, on October 27, 2016, an early morning fire in an upper Manhattan five-story tenement left residents fleeing for their lives. With a fire escape located only on the front of the building and heavy fire on every floor and in the shaft, one resident found himself cut off with no means of escape. FDNY Lieutenant Jim Lee explains what happened next and how members worked together to make a dramatic save with a life-saving rope rescue. The fire had started in the first floor apartment and the tenants left the window open there and it went right up the shaft. So there was fire in every apartment all the way to the top floor. He told me he got out of his bed and he tried to make it to the front fire escape and he couldn't because the fire had already come in his windows. Yeah. So now he was purely cut off in the back. He went to his door to the hallway and he opened the door and he said the blast of heat that came in there was unbelievable because not only was the window open to the shaft but when the tenants left the door uh, got jammed open. So you had fire up the stairwell and up the shaft now. So this is like the ultimate scenario for no rear fire escape. In remembrance of September 11th, 
We featured a special guest who responded to the World Trade Center attacks on the day as we do every year. This year, Chief of Staff Cassio interviewed our Chief of Department, John Sudnick. He began his career as an FDNY firefighter appointed in October of 1989 and assigned to Engine 23 located in Manhattan. Since then, he has been promoted through every fire officer rank, and in 2019, Sudnick was promoted from Chief of Fire Operations and was appointed the 36th Chief of Department, the highest uniform rank in the FDNY. It was a beautiful, warm, late summer day when our world changed forever because two of four hijacked planes were flown into the Twin Towers in New York City, resulting in their eventual collapse and a tremendous loss of lives, including 343 of our FDNY members. Chief Sonic responded to the terrorist attacks on September 11th from FDNY headquarters at the time in the rank of captain. What does never forget mean to you? Never forget, for me, means it doesn't come around just once a year for me. It's, it's every day. Never forget means understanding what the sacrifices uh, this department has made and trying to come to work and work as hard, renew my commitment, renew my dedication uh, every day to make sure that those lives that we lost weren't in vain. And I'm in a position now to uh, live that now more than ever. When the COVID-19 crisis began in early 2020, the department and its members were challenged in ways like never before. The pandemic's arrival proved to be both deadly and difficult to combat. One of the core duties of the department's first deputy commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, is to help meet the operational needs and long-term strategic goals of the FDNY's core services. In the October episode, Commissioner Kavanaugh provides insights into the department's forward planning and how the FDNY's life-saving mission remains paramount. I'm truly in awe every day of what our members do and that never fades for me. That helps motivate me and, and keep me working to make sure that they are served because that is why people like me are here, to make sure that they can run into that burning building as safely as possible, that they can respond to that medical call as quickly as they can with the equipment they need. And you know that's really what I try to keep in mind every day. Conducting educational and public safety outreach during a pandemic certainly presented challenges, but it also highlighted opportunities. In our November episode, Fabrizio Caro, the director of FDNY Community Affairs and Captain Michael Cozo of the FDNY Fire Safety Education Team shared insight into our strategy, successes, and lessons learned with adapting operations of the FDNY Community Affairs Unit during the COVID-19 pandemic that prompted a stay-at-home order in the spring and subsequent changes to normal life such as social distancing, remote learning, and mask requirements. In the FDNY, the Community Affairs Unit encompasses our fire safety education program, our compressions only CPR team, our popular neighborhood open house initiative, and other educational events like CPR, AED Awareness Week, and Fire Prevention Month. One thing about the pandemic is that now we're seeing how technology in itself expands communication and messaging to a larger and broader audience, where typically we would invest in educators going out to schools. And even though they were doing numerous or thousands of events a year, we were still hitting a finite number, you know, not to say that it's a small number, but it was a finite number right. uh, that grew, you know, every year. But looking now at the larger audience and how many people we could target. And it's interesting to see how we can incorporate that moving forward because of course, our aim is to return hopefully to in-person learning. Right. Uh, but now at this point, uh, implementing technology to basically increase the number of people that we're messaging to. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So we wouldn't think about turning this off once we're back to life no, as, definitely you know, not. This as is we the, used to know it. No, this is the new wave, honestly. I, again, we talk about the new normal, but I think once we all get through COVID-19, you know, this is definitely the new normal moving forward of mm-hmm. how to incorporate technology on all aspects of education and outreach. What did we learn about remote learning that you would say was surprising or just unanticipated? We've learned that it does work. You just got to make sure that the material that you're putting out there is definitely uh, getting the message across and that it's uh, memorable to everybody that's that's watching and partaking. Right. Uh, but I definitely think it works. Yeah, I'll add to that. I think we were a bit skeptical at first because it was our first time around now engaging schools, community partners, and really selling to them fire and life safety curriculum under this new platform. Mm-hmm. However, the feedback that we've gotten recently is that It's a great program. It's easier now because at this point, beyond having to coordinate like an in-person presentation and school time, it's now again from the comfort of a classroom remotely or from the comfort of a home where youth or community residents are now receiving this digital curriculum or live curriculum through these web platforms. This year has certainly presented unprecedented challenges, yet through it all, the commitment to public service and safety from our members is as strong and stable as ever. No matter what 2021 may bring, it's by supporting each other and elevating our stories that we will face any challenge that lies ahead. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Deputy Chief Michael Barvels. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to FDNYPro.org. FDNY Pro is online at FDNYPro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to fdnyfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.